What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at TalkLouder underscore podcast, and our website, TalkLouderPodcast.com. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And today we're happy to be joined by a friend of ours for, I've known this guy for probably close to 30 years. I'm sure you've known him even longer than that. We've got Shandon Som on the Talk Louder podcast today. And most of you will probably recognize Shandon as the drummer for Pariah. Uh, he also did some time in the Meat Puppets and played with Gibby Haynes from the Butthole Surfers. Uh, of course, his dad is Doug Som, who in these parts, these parts being Texas, is Texas music royalty, bar none. So made, made yeah. quite an impact, even worldwide. We talked to Shannon about, of course, me and Shannon played in, in Sick. Uh, yes. Dave's shirt for the people watching today is a, an old Kiss tribute that me and Shannon and our producer, Jared Tootin, who was also in Pariah with well, with Shandon, uh, we, we, uh, it, it's, a, it was a lot of fun. Um, we, um, the, the, the point is, is, uh, Gene Simmons was in a band that used to cover one of Shandon's father's songs. Yeah. So yeah. that'll give you the reach. Uh, and that would have been Sir Douglas Quintet. She's about a mover. Yeah, uh, uh, Doug Som was also in uh, what a lot of people who might be a little bit younger maybe came to know uh, the kind of super group of like Texas l music legends uh, that was called the Texas Tornadoes. Yeah. And uh, Shandon and his brother, Sean, who plays guitar and sings, uh, probably have done a hundred shows with people involved with the Texas Tornadoes. Yeah. Um, probably doing uh, tributes to their father, Doug Som. But today we're talking about Shandon. Shandon, I got to say, is one of the most creative, eccentric, energetic. Uh, I'll I'll stop there. Uh, it goes further. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might sound like I'm like picking on him a little bit, but but I'm not. It's all in love. Uh, but the guy is a riot. He is a he's a Texas tornado for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if those of you who know Shandon, you know what I mean. Wink, yeah. wink. And uh, he's just a little bit nuts. And uh, all for all, all for the love of yeah. Shandon Psalm. Um, you know, I knew that it was going to run a little longer than we had planned, Dave, but. Uh, I feel like we had a we have a great episode in store with this one. Yeah, yeah. Shandon's done a lot of great things. Uh, you know, his time in Pariah was an interesting uh, short run, but very interesting. Signed to a major label, had a lot of potential. It's the classic uh, would have, should have, could have type story. And I always love these stories when you hear them from uh, someone who's that closely involved in it. Uh, kind of gives you a behind the scenes sense of how the music business works and sometimes doesn't work uh so shandon shares a lot of that with us and of course as we mentioned uh spent some time in the meat puppets and uh with gibby haynes and uh 
those guys are <laughs> pretty speaking of eccentric <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they're they got more than one motor under the hood too you know <laughs> great yeah. intentions great intentions but you know they don't let them near the rose bush yeah <laughs> uh, they might eat it you know. Well, we've known Shannon for a very long time, and we we're happy to have him finally on the podcast today. Shannon saw him on the Talk Louder podcast. Hello. What's up, dudes? Uh, where are you, Shannon? I know you're, uh, you live in uh, Amsterdam, yeah. but where are you now? I'm at uh, Old Source in 35, actually right by the old back home. Really? What brings you to, back to town, back to Austin? 10 shows. I usually play, because, um, you know, we were talking about, like, making money and stuff and um, I get better guarantees in Texas and stuff so I come to see friends I come down once a year so I don't burn people out you know like everybody like playing all the time so I come down for once a year and come and you know come to a show or two or three you know I think two shows for the month and then go back right on how long have you been in Amsterdam now five years now god that's hard to believe yeah I, I need to learn once I learn Dutch I can take a test and if I pass it I become a, a, a I'm, I'm a semi semi-resident I can become a permanent resident so wow. I'm trying to work towards that but I only know a few you know phrases like good morning is uh yeah that's good morning and midday would be Hudamira. Hudamira. Huramidah. All right. Huramidah. Yeah. Hey, I want to say I love that elder poster behind you, the elder uh, Dave. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chaos yeah. in the park. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, that's. Uh, I actually liked Ace's. I know it's kind of stupid, but I actually liked Ace's outfit. I think the, the lightning other. bolt going. Yeah, I liked it too. It's like a bodysuit or something with a lightning totally. bolt. And yeah. you know what? As Tommy Thayer, I never really liked how he looked as Ace because he has a different bone structure. But in that outfit, he looked the closest to Ace, I thought. Like, closest to Ace. Yeah. <laughs> that poster was actually given to me. And I think the gig is uh the gig is a real gig but the picture is obviously out of time because yeah. eric Carr was not around in 97. it's so weird that they would put an 81 picture but it's 80. not because you know they're just trying to sell you a ticket right right yeah so you're here to play some shows what does what does your set list look like shandon what what do people hear when they come to see you play oh good um, question well, right now, what I'm doing is, um, I don't know if you see this, but it's like a psalm cover psalm kind of thing. I've been doing a little tribute to my dad because um, awesome. I'm, I'm working on new music right now. But before I get into a full set of new music, you know, brand new music and stuff, <clears throat> I'm kind of transitioning there you go, into that, but first kind of doing a little tribute to dad. Because, you know, Texas, it's fertile ground. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're, you're writing new music. Do you have a, do you have a deal or you got any kind of uh, deal in the works or are you just recording at this point and then shop it around when it's done or how's that going to work? Oh, he's uh, like everybody else. He just releases it on his own. Yeah. Release it on my, and you know, here's the thing, like, cause you know, Jason understands this back in the day, like to do anything or whatever you had to like get signed. Well, now it's completely different, but that doesn't mean that you can't get a cool booking agency or find even if it ain't a record thing you, you can find somebody that can at least yeah. give you yeah, some yeah. shows you can't getting produce. getting uh getting new shandon song music out there is the easy part yeah. it's uh 
it's you know the the distribution is seems to me like it's especially i think that you know with the thing that you're the tribute i love it that you're you know a tribute to your dad and i want to talk to you a little bit more about that but getting getting new music out there i feel like uh, with the obvious uh, resources out there that's the easy part but the booking agent and being able to play throughout you know if you're if you're based in amsterdam do you play further out than just there in amsterdam well absolutely because i mean it's very accessible over there so i've already played austria a, a promoter guy called yeah. me and said hey i've got three shows which i'll fly you there it took an hour and a half to fly to austria for yeah it's really easy to kind of do those kind of things. So I, I want to say I'm like Chuck Berry in the sense, not the talent wise, but uh, that you that you bring. You invented rock and roll. <laughs> no, no, well, as I said, not guitar. Chuck Berry in the sense of the hell, hell rock and roll, where he goes and he gets a band at the places that he goes. That's what yeah. I, I don't have the money to fly my bands, so I have a Texas band and I have a Dutch band. Right. Who's in uh, Who's in your Texas band? Anyone we know? Oh, I'm oh, sure yeah. you do. Danny, oh, yeah. G, Danny G, uh, Danny Brokaw. Yep. Danny Groucho, Groucho, uh, uh, Amber, Amber sometimes, right? Amber. Oh, Amber's yep. in the band. Yeah, Amber's yep. there. Um, I've got uh, backup, you know, uh, Heather Bishop does a great, you know, soulful, you know, she has a bad mood, you know, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Vocals and, uh, two of the Beaumonts, the band the Beaumonts. I got okay, to, yeah. Still guitar, Tony Nobles, and I've got the drummer, uh, Gary First. They're all great guys, all good musicians and great guys and girls. Yes. Do you find, do you find that uh, over in uh, in Amsterdam and, and just anywhere overseas, wherever you may go, a lot of uh, Texas artists will, will tell us that uh, people are naturally just intrigued by the fact that you're from Texas. Forget what kind of music you're playing. There's oh. just sort of this mystique about Texas. Do you get a lot of that elsewhere in the world? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, in the world, other than where I'm at, I'm sorry, I'm just... yeah, any well, where where you're at, or anywhere else you oh, may travel. It's fertile ground. A lot of them know who Dad is. Um, if you go to this place called the Milo Moreau. Uh, I'll take you sometime if y'all ever uh, show up. That's where I play gigs. A guy loves Texas music. He's got a poster of Dale Watson. He's got Dad. He's got Fabulous Thunderbirds and yeah. a Texas yeah. flag. I think that's where, where Dave was headed with that. I feel like there's a connection. Texas artists have uh, carte blanche in Europe uh, or any, anywhere, really. I, for some reason, Texas has this. And I think this is where you were going, Dave, is this has this sort of uh, legendary, oh, you're from Texas? You know, it's like they think, and especially Austin. Well, For I don't some reason, America. Austin has this big love, big heart around it worldwide. And when I, people I, ask me where I'm from, I don't say America, I say Austin, Texas. <laughs> and they're like, right? Texas? Oh, they, I have Dutch friends that are fans of my dad that come and used to come see him. They'll still come and visit some of the other band members that live here. And they're like, oh, my God, Shandon, I love Texas. I get to, you know, eat alligator and shit. You know? yeah. like, so <laughs> it's pretty cool. And so there is a connection. Um, the Dutch really like real music. I mean, the majority were probably all into the hip hop or the, the, the hero or whatever. But the, the, the timers like us and the ones that, you know, support, we're all about the Texas music. I mean, 
it's incredible. I mean, it really is. It seems to be, and I'm, I want to ask you how you would classify your music, but don't answer that yet. It seems that because of what we're talking about now, it seems that anything that you could shove into the envelope of Americana or storytelling rock or storytelling music, uh, whether it be from, you know, Bob Dylan to Charlie Sexton to just like sort of southern flavored even though it's not country right yeah. it's kind of like a we're a bob dylan and a willie nelson and a you know what i'm talking about there's a whole lot of that and like i would even say like jack johnson kind of stuff it's just this very uh, organic style of singing and playing and you know it's not all about you know it's not about heavy metal hard rock punk rock that that da, 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 da it's about the lyric and the melody and the sincereness of the story that the singer is telling. And that seems to be like a thing that your dad was all about. It also seems that, that you're, you're a music fans. See how I'm not putting it in a box. Yeah. European music fans seem to really appreciate that type of craft. Your brother... Uh, does he come to Amsterdam and do things with you, or does he, you, you, when you come to Texas, does he hook up with you and do some of your dad's music together? Uh, well, he does that. He does some, he doesn't do a tribute, but he's got, you know, Charlie Sexton and, and a couple guys that join him, you know, so. Right, he okay. Does he does that, and so okay. we kind of both do our little tributes, but no, I'll go see him when I'm here in town, but he, cool. he likes his. Not a ranch, but he likes his thing in his place with a few acres that he's gotten, you know, 20 years ago with his llama and goats, and he really likes yeah. it. So yeah, he's awesome. still a homebody, whereas I want to see still, even though I've traveled the world, I still want to see more of it. Like, I'm very, me and dad were very adventurous as far as, like, what's over there? Yeah. You know? yeah. I, just seem, I just seem to think that you guys, it might have been a while ago, like we're talking quite a while ago, where you guys both did together a tribute to your dad okay that was 2015 and that was with steve earl and a bunch of people okay. and actually that's neat that you brought that up jason because um i think on november 6th which is dad's birthday austin appreciation society is relaunching um the dvd i don't know if you heard you know joe nick Patowski did a documentary about it all and and okay. uh, it was shown in 2015 at south by southwest at the paramount theater so we got to watch it and then after that, it just kind of not really went away. But maybe somebody, or I don't know if it's Appreciation Society, but somebody is relaunching it now, and they're having okay, a like a they're reissuing the they're they're up in the party about it. They're they're making more awareness to the film, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, it usually means time out for a second. It usually means that no one there wasn't like a distributor who bought it or wanted to release it or license it. It was more of like a film festival special. The money of licensing the music, I think, was the, was the hardest thing because- it could have been caught up in the estate. Well, Sean is the, is the executor of all that. Who is? Sean. Sean? Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're all, it's like an SDS, Sean, Don, Shandon, but um, he is the, you know, the, the executor of it all. But he always keeps us informed. Like we just did a thing a couple of years ago Forgot, is it writer t shirts or night writer t shirts? They have like Johnny Cash on. We actually did a thing with them, and we'll get you know, it's kind of expensive for the shirt, but it Doug's Psalm shirts are rare. So, but if you buy 
We got Johnny Cash, that's um, you know, mm-hmm. Merle Haggard. It's the alter, alternate, that's the other genre, alternate country. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of would fit into what I was talking about, Americana slash. Alternate, alternate, alternative country, whatever you want to call it, because it's not country music to me at all. Your dad and what he did with the Texas Tornadoes and all—that's not country music. No, but let me tell you, to me, what's missing is the western. So if you had Garth Brooks or whatever, nothing against that. But if I like country, I like my western with it, like rock and roll. I don't like just rock; I like rock and roll. So I like country and western. I get it. When it's country, it. it's Garth Brooks and it's pop. Right. So, yeah. mm, right, so right, right. Western, it's a little bit more rugged. Rugged. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so for, for people that are listening that may not be aware, your, your, your dad is a Texas music legend, Doug Psalm, and your brother, who you were just speaking of, Sean Psalm, uh, also a well-known musician in, in Texas. Uh, I, I remember seeing him in a band called Presence out of San Antonio, the Randy yeah. Rhodes of Austin. I mean, of, of Texas, sorry. San Antonio, Texas. The Randy Rhodes of Texas, he totally was. Yeah, I remember, uh, see, I saw that band so many times because they got every opening slot that came through uh, San Antonio. Every, and I was always at the side of the stage in parachute dance, you know, because I'm four years younger. So he's already, you know, <laughs> 17, 18 in his little outfit. And I'm like, on the side of the stage. But that's where we got a lot of our inspiration, not only from the toys, sure. but that is a little bit later. But uh, at that time, you know, Sims went out and bought a Jackson bass because he liked the way the presence bass player sounded. Yeah. And you know, when you're first getting your sound, so he got a Jackson bass. And yeah, Kyle got the same kind of guitar that, that Sean had, and he liked to do the dive bombs and love Randy Rhodes. And uh, so that was, you know, we were picking things up like, hey, that's cool. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, Jason, Carlos, the singer, was Sebastian Bach before that is all big, the lanky, long-haired, really pretty guy, but real lanky and yeah, kind of give it. And nobody sang like Steve Perry. Yeah, uh, he was, was good, cool. man. Hey, at that time I was sixteen, so I thought it was cool. But I saw a concert of it, and of course it's a genre and the clothing. Mine, I saw that it was fucking just as good as Skid Row. Totally. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Listen, I, 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 you were you were telling me sort of off camera earlier. Uh, about a connection there and I totally get it and it was completely I was trying to relate it to what a lot of other artists including myself were already doing at the time so when you think about the influence that your brother's band had on you and all your friends and and, you know it would have had an influence on you whether they whether Sean was your brother or not is my opinion because the 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 influences that I had from uh, my friends' bands who were, you know, a little bit older than me, yeah. uh, even as far back as when I was living in Corpus Christi, had yeah. the same effect on me. You know, just dudes that you went to school with who were a few grades ahead of you, you went to their house and they had Marshall Stacks. Right. You're like, oh, my God. You know, you, all of a sudden they're the coolest kid in town. Okay. And you're trying to figure out how you can get a Marshall Stack in your living room, you know, yes. without yeah. your parents losing their minds, you know. So the, the the idea of all of that happening in all these little places worldwide, that's yeah. a movement that's starting to happen where our feeble young minds are destroyed early. Well, the, see, the thing is, it's funny, like, you know, Gene Simmons will say rock is dead. It's not. Rock is alive. But here's the thing. It's just not in the charts. You know this, Jason. When we were all doing it, and there was a million rock bands, the Pastor Pussycats, and the McBride, and there's... 
it was all in the charts. Whether you hate Poison or Skid Row, that was all rock in the charts. It's just not in the charts anymore. So now, if it ever does like come back in the charts, you might see it a little bit more of a lift than you do. But now people say whatever. It's just not in the charts. People, plenty of people are playing rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be clear, I think Gene came back at a lot of people that argue, wanted to argue the fact, you know, fuck that, it's not dead, you know. Well, it's just not in the charts. It's not selling like, dude, remember? You had Nirvana, you had Skid Row, you had Guns N' Roses, you yeah. had okay. all in the charts. I think what Gene was talking about is more or less, sure, the numbers part of it, but more like, you know, what people did to get their rock and roll is now dead. Standing in line on release day, standing in line to buy a ticket, a concert, the, yeah. the attitude, the the love for it. Now you can just pick up well, a phone. I, mean, I, want, I want some rock and roll, and I don't even care what it is, and press a button, and just some bullshit comes out. That's that. what that's what I really feel like. Gene is really kind of talking oh, about. It's like. I, Okay. That sort of whole sponge, my whole life depends on rock and roll. Those people sure. are dead, uh, well, but I'm looking at two of them right now. So obviously we're not dead, and there's yeah. another way to argue it. Yeah. So yeah. when Gene looks in the mirror, he should say, well, I'm not dead, so rock is not dead. But he's not really – he's looking at it outside of his reach. Yeah, you know, be- for him, it's all about money, too. So I was just thinking, if it's in the charts, just think, let's just think right now. If rock and roll is in the charts, and so we had all these bands, lots of rock bands in the charts. Yeah. Give a boost to rock music. I think it might sure. – not, not like a scene again, but it might go, oh – you know, it can do that. Man, things go in waves all the time. Save your clothes, whatever, you know, like it all comes well, back. You know, would you think when you think about let's there's a and there's more than one band, but I'll just pick a band, Greta Van Fleet. Okay. Doesn't example. matter what they sound like, what they look like, but they look like a fucking rock and roll band and they sound like a fucking rock and roll band. So they're they're a, that's a duck. Quacks okay. like a duck, it's a fucking duck. Yeah. They may not be in the charts right now, but they were kind of like, you know, that's a thing. And and all the young people are talking about Greta Van Fleet all of a sudden. Rock is not dead. It's just not Kiss number one. Maybe Gene would say that because he's not number one. And I just I think if it was in the charts, you probably have a, uh, what do you call it? You know, when you a jumper cable, when you jump a car, you're like, give it a boost. Like, give it, wow, it's in the charts. It's not just these underground people or these people just supporting it. It's all in the charts, and there's rock bands in the charts. I mean, remember, there were so many rock bands back then. Like, if there was a pariah right now, like, DJ's Toys, whatever, like, uh, you know, that was in that vein, I think it would do really good because it's not as crowded anymore. You don't have that crowdness that we had with, you know, the Babylon ADs and the Tricksters and just everybody wanted yeah, to do it. Yeah, I think, I think that it's, it's uh, watered down by... Oh by the same in the same way uh just with a a generation of younger bands and it's more it's more of like a pop thing you know it's not it's not necessarily a cock rock thing like like what you're saying like what you're saying i think it's different have you ever heard i've never heard of them but they're on tour with motley crew stadium tour who is this classless act Bad name, by the way. But. Well, well, they're actually doing really well, and if you if you kind of follow them and see numbers yeah. and stuff, they're probably starting to rival yeah. people like Greta Van Fleet. They're kind yeah. of not. They're not it's there yet. There's a lot of but... rock bands out there fighting to get signed, like the Rose. Yeah. Well, it's I think I, I, I could argue that. I could argue that. I think that there's a bunch of them, but 
we are of an older we are of a certain age now if you would like me to speak for myself i will i am of a certain age now where i don't give a shit what's on the charts yeah and i don't care about greta van fleet that much they're they're a badass band i support me, rock and roll i support I, that's I right any any band that's playing rock and roll right now has guitars yeah i'm all about it yeah, whatever dirty, it is dirty honey's another one and dirty i saw honey is another one i didn't i didn't want to make the hot list but now right, I, I yeah i've never even heard I of think we just that. did so they're, classless they're awesome. act greta van fleet dirty honey yeah um, i haven't heard one lick of any of these songs or any doesn't of these matter songs. It doesn't matter. I'm saying that there are a bunch, and and that proves you. Just thank you for saying that, Shandon, because that proves to me your thumb is not on the pulse because you're busy with other things. Because you're you're occupied doing your other things. You're not you're not reading Metal Edge magazine. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's kind of crazy magazine. If if you're in the if back in the back seat of your caddy. There's yeah. not a there's you know the environment that's what i'm saying so there's not really magazines anymore but if they were to be like just say if rock just there started, is there is magazines there are magazines yeah. not when you go to heb i mean there are to, magazines at the heb dude rock magazines you still yeah. gotta you yeah. still gotta name me yeah. one yeah i'm not going to because i'm i don't give a <laughs> shit that's the point i'm trying but to I'm tell you if you went and really if you really looked i think that you would find out oh shit a rock magazine well, I guess oh, the shit, these guys goes. are a rock band. You know, there, there's, a, there's more out there than you think. It's, it's just, it's a healthy, friendly, I love you, Shandon argument. That's all. Oh, of course. And I just think that it's weird. I just thought that maybe that was one of the things that if it wasn't, when it was in the charts, everybody's going to want to do it to fucking whatever, right? So it, it fosters that. Rap was big. Now everybody wanted to be a rapper. Um, you know well, what I'm saying? Well, they still do. Yeah, but we're they underground. Like, we love our rock and roll. We're gonna, we don't care what the trend. Well, is. It, it, to go to make it full circle and move on. The yeah. the comment about Gene Simmons saying rock and roll is dead, he's talking about it from another mind's eye. Not just and money with fucking because they're not all. It's not charts. just it's not just charts and numbers. I feel like he's talking about a whole other thing. It may not be clear that that's what he's talking about, but that's how I read it. Is it the because, elder? Uh, Danko Jones, Danko Jones released an article, might have been in the Huffington Post about it, and uh, it was it was spot on. And yeah. he was arguing what Gene had said, and he kind of made some clarifications as to what he. Yeah, probably little, yeah that's right. Yeah. But we still support it. We have the flag. We'll always. I mean, rock and roll is. Just, I like all music, man. I like all types and everything. If it moves that's me, right. Rock and roll is what made me. You know, when I saw Kiss, I mean, I don't know where you want to start because there's so much. But, you know that ruined my freaking life scene you're, guys you're, we're in the we're in the right place but let's yeah. move on let's move on because we're going to run out of time um yeah i wanted to i wanted to ask real quick since uh shandon obviously grew up in a very musical household uh your brother uh is a great guitarist uh you made your name as a drummer your dad was super famous um was there any of the uh like the van halen brothers kind of stuff going on at your house when you were a kid were were you and your brother jamming together or swapping instruments or were you kind of mutually ex exclusively moving in your own directions following your own path but tell me last, a little bit about growing up as musicians in a, in a musical household the last thing you just said was the correct one we, you know he's four years older um so you know we, we didn't really jam i mean we played with dad and stuff before but we never really got together like the pantera brothers or anything 
um, we kind of both just did our own thing. Cause you know, you got to understand like Sean was doing presents and then, you know, dad would say, Hey, come on tour with me. So he did that kind of thing. And then in high school, I had a popular band called Pariah. And then right out of high school, I mean, really a year and a half later, we got signed to Geffen. It was 90. So I was there. Was, yeah. So it just, it really, you know what I want to say? I didn't really know, like, when I was 15 or 16, like, I was surrounded by music, but it wasn't like, I want to be a drummer. I want to be, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. Got in a band, and I just stuck with it. And so I want to say music found me, or, or, or uh, I, uh, you know, well, what's the word for it? Music, uh, I, you know, it found me. I yeah. didn't know that that's what I wanted to do, even though I was surrounded with it. And I went to all the concerts and dad shows and present shows. I didn't really know at that time, you know, 15, 16, really what I wanted to do in life. But then as we got older, we started getting the band, you know, playing with Sims and, and, and Kyle. And then right after high school, things just started looking up, right? So I just went with it. So when the pariah broke up in 95, I was like, are you a musician? You had your fun. You get your, hey, you got signed. You got to do this stuff. Are you a musician or are you just a little rock and roller star that wants to just kind of, you know, do hang out and chicks or whatever? And I said, no, I'm a musician. So if it wasn't for that, me, you know, after Pariah, I wouldn't have done Meat Puppets. I wouldn't have done Gibby Haynes' record. You know, like, you have to, you know, you know, Jason, you have to stick with it. And from day one, I just went on this thing. Wow, popular band. Oh, shoot, we got signed. Oh, okay. And then I stuck with that. And then when it was over, I still stuck. Yeah, you kind of got on the train early and just uh, didn't really, you were off and running pretty quick at a young I age. Always, done my own thing and it's and all the things i've had isn't because i'm dope some sons because you know the talent and that's the way it always like you know should be it opens doors but if you don't have the means or the talent to go further because the door can, can shut on you right it is it opens so who's the who's the most famous person your dad ever brought home when you were a kid well, see, some of that was when I was so little, like I was literally like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, Jerry Garcia and, and I wow. used to go do all that stuff. Yeah, Jerry Garcia came to the house. I I used to do, okay, so hanging out with dad, uh, he would pick you up when you're a teenager. He'd go, hey, son, come with me. We'd go in his car. And he would go on the set of fucking, freaking Honeysuckle Rose. And you're like, oh, hey, Willie. I, oh, we're going to go visit Willie. Okay, like that's what the adventures was. You'd get that's in the cool. car with him. And you would just go and you don't know where it would take you. And it might take you to Willie's place. It might take you to one time. He goes, come with me, son. Where are we going? Oh, we're going to go see Bob. It was freaking Bob Weir at Soundcheck. We just met him at Soundcheck. It was wow. just like, Bob? <laughs> so, hey, Uncle Bob. <laughs> it is adventurous with that guy. You get in the car and you just don't know where you're going to end up, who you're going to meet. You know, dad from day one never had to have a job. He was a steel prodigy, guitar prodigy at four years old. From the time he was four to the time he was 58, it was always music. He was the breadwinner in the family. Like the, his mom, my, my grandma was like, he's the one that's going to do something. Because you know, when you're poor back in the day, and he's the guy that can maybe, you know, get us out of poverty or, you know, the, the hard times back in the day. Yeah. Well, you guys, uh, you know, Pariah is the band that kind of, you got your, your first uh, major attention, I guess, with Pariah. Right but, out of the box, you know, like that's, yeah. yeah. We, we flopped commercially. I mean, toys did way, way better, but we did get the whole, like, but sometimes when you get signed, that doesn't mean that your record comes out, right? So we get signed, okay, so our record came out. Our record came out, but I've got 
when we talk about that little error, remind me, because I got something that's going to blow you guys' mind about what we should have done. And Jason, I, you might know this, but when I tell it to you, it's going to be like, bam, 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 like how stupid of you. But you look back and we were just young and we shot a little too high, you know, for the geffen. Do you want me to just tell you what it was? Yeah, okay. tell us now. Yeah. Uh, Jason, you know who Dave, uh, John Sykes is? Not the guitar player, but you know who the industry John Sykes is, right? No. You know no. Oh, half owner of MTV. At the time that he, wa he wanted to sign us, and he, he sent a picture of a house with our pictures in it saying, Christmas wants you at our home. Bonnie still got it. I know she does. So we got courted. This was after we you know getting signed and that's everything. We got courted by Christmas who wanted us so bad and loved Shatter. They already had a, a vision. Shatter me. They loved Shatter me. Thought it would have been, and it's a great team. That's probably one of the best projects. But he loved Shatter me. John Sykes, he was ready for this drum roll, half owner of MTV. And guess what? Another drum roll would have been our A&R guy. Wow. Put it together. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, you can't, I mean, you can water the plant, it doesn't yeah. mean it's going to grow. You, I was can telling you, that, you can be planted in the sunshine, doesn't mean it's going to grow. You that's can right. Have, you can have all of the proteins and attributes and, and all of the love and everything, doesn't mean it's going to be the biggest tree in the forest. So basically, that was our decision. Go with Geffen. Oh, man, we want to be on Guns N' Roses and all right. Yeah, go for that. So oh, uh, that's, that's, not, that's, that's something that... In that direction, I just yeah. think that it would be a different story. Or maybe not. But we had a guy that was totally behind us that would have been our A&R guy. He was half owner of MTV. Come on. Yeah, yeah you would have been Come in on. All he would have had to done is lift his little pinky, play Shatter Me, please. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of those hindsight. You know, it's one of those what if, right? I mean, yeah, and, 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 and by Tom Zutat, you know, but kind of ignored. I mean, you know, he was very, he's a good guy. I, I know him now a little bit more. We kept in contact. But back then, he was like, well, before I go and listen to your mixes, I got to sit out in the park and like Jason knows about all the eccentricities of these people. It was like, and eat some certain cookie or have a certain drink before I can come in and listen to it's like, You know, that's what we signed up. Yeah, I mean, Pariah is the is the classic story of having all the ingredients lined up. I mean, you were signed to Geffen Records when the roster included Guns N' Roses, Nirvana, White Zombie, Peter Salty Gabriel, Dog. who Salty Dog, Salty Dog. I mean, there there was a there was a lot going on at Geffen Records uh, uh, at that time. You had Tom Worman producing, who who put out hit records with Motley Crue and some others. Uh, you were recorded by Tom Zutat, who had a major hand in the success of Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses. Um, you had the look, you had the sounds, and... The timing. Um, yeah, the timing. So the album comes out, and the, the album that we're talking about is To Mock a Killing Bird. came out on Geffen Records, but it wasn't released until 93. And the scene totally changed. So that was the other thing. Just looking back, you know, we're, just, we're just reminiscing about some things. Sure. Um, we would have been, had our album out much sooner on Christmas. It would have been, you know, 90, late 91, early 92 or something. By 93 of August, it was completely over. Like, I almost wish that Geffen, if they really would have cared, they would have said, you know what, alternatives really big. Do you mind, before we represent you to the world, do you mind, like, getting a little makeup, maybe having a little, we would have done 
that just to see how it went. I feel like you guys were already headed that way, even with some of the guys were already there. You know, some of the even even the album cover of Tamaka Killingbird had a sort of psychedelic thing, which fits in an alternative rock world already. You guys already, I mean, dude, your dad's Doug Psalm. He's pretty much part of the cosmic cowboy thing, which is alternative rock in the sixties and seventies. He and I'm not going to say invented it, but you tell me, you show me a guy with a cowboy hat and long hair on, on 1968 on the cover with my brother of Rolling Stone. If you can find somebody 66, uh, 66 and, and, and earlier, then I'll give it to him. Dad pretty much created the cosmic cowboy. I, I understand. I understand that. Really came later. Doug yeah. was first. Doug ruled yeah. first. In yeah. Austin, 70, 71, 72, really comes around. He sees the audience. What was dad's audience? Bikers, or I mean, uh, uh, hippies and rednecks. Yeah. And really went like this, skyrocketed over dad. But dad at first had it. And, and so he yeah. saw dad's crowd and went, that's pretty groovy. And then just took it to a whole nother high. So I just want to let you know, dad is the first. He really, truly was. I'm not just saying for his mother. Hey, hey, I'm cool. I, I'm I'm cool with giving him that crown. What I'm talking about—he doesn't get that credit, really. When you see right. in Texas Monthly, what did you see? Texas Outlaw uh, Country, da da da. Who was on the cover? Really, Chris Christopherson and yeah. Raylan. Now, Dad was in the article. There was a little picture of him. Yeah, that, right. He should have been on the cover. That's my only thing. That's mine. Well, that's cover. just that. That's you getting, you know, getting. He was the first. You're trying to push your your dad, and rightly so. And I understand that he, was, he was the first. Regardless he's a big of influence. Dad and, yeah, and yeah. all of those guys. That's all know, I'm trying to say. All of those guys know your dad. They knew your dad. They love your dad. Obviously, they love your dad. But for whatever reason, whatever it was sort of taken and regurgitated as well. It just took off. It just yeah. got on it. People just kind of, went, you know. But I think that Pariah, back to you and your band, I feel like this is where it would have been a natural progress. You know who did the same thing? Allison Chains. Allison yeah. Chains was this like cock rock band. Right, I remember, yeah. And they changed their sound a little bit. They had a, you know, they just kind of left the bright clothing at home yeah. and dressed dressed kind of what I would consider normal, like they got off work and they just went to do a gig and that's what they look like. Same with Pantera back in the day. I feel like it's the same sort of like uh, normal, normal, it would have been a normal progress for that to, that tone to change because it was already going there. Stefan didn't really kind of say, hey, you know what, things are changing, do you want to you know, because like we came out, and that's cool because we are who we are. We came out kind of looking like Guns N' Roses or whatever. When alternative was big and all that was passe already. See, so if right. they would have, well, let's just mess with you a little bit. Let's let's give you this kind of image. Can you do this maybe a little bit? They yeah. come out with the same record, yeah. but with a different maybe a little image that isn't so Guns N' Roses. And let's see if it works. Yeah. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's if like it uh, Sir Douglas Quintet. That's, that's called development. If the label is not going to work with the band to maybe get a few more years, you know, a few more gallons of gas in the tank, just because the climate's a little shaky, I believe that that would have been a good way to do it. But it seems to me, you correct me if I'm wrong, they just kind of took you and like, ah, we better put this out. Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah. I, to, just to be honest, because, you know, I know Jared does this. Uh, is he on it or is he in the background? I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, I saw no. him last time peeking on this. He's not. Okay. 
No. Well, I love you, Jared. You're like you're freaking awesome, man. Um, <laughs> but but uh, just to tell you the truth, it was timing. Timing was awful because if the yeah. world. Oh, That's what we're all agreeing with here. Well, yeah. here. Here's what I wanted to say. So out of you, you guys got signed in the early nineties, but the album didn't come. Okay. You got signed. You got signed in 90. It took three out three years for the album to come out. And so what I'm saying is I understand half of the conversation where you're, you're signed in 90, you're on Geffen records. Geffen might see you as sort of a, a new, Texas version of Guns N' Roses or something like that. But the your music definitely has echoes of things like Jane's Addiction, Mother Love Bone, things like that. So Thank how you, is it so That's so a natural thing? That's what I'm trying right, to say. Right. But Thank what I'm saying is so why didn't why didn't the label take advantage of that? Because it's it's easy to say, well, the label dumped us because we were a cock rock band and cock rock was no longer in vogue. But you guys weren't a cock rock band. No. You kind of you actually did you actually could have fit in with the times, but I guess the label wasn't pushing it in that direction or what? Honestly, it's like a lot of things to me. It's, and this is all, like I said, looking back. So, you know, the name, the, the, the uh, well, you know, Sims didn't like the name Pariah, especially after uh, it all went down. That was a whole other thing. But I didn't like the name of the record. Tamaki Killinger just didn't have a good ring to it. I didn't like the cover. I think half the songs are good. The other half is, sounds like Dockin, you know. But we were young, you know. I mean, we had to, we were learning. Yeah. I'm just saying that out of uh, that's just me personally. I love Jesus Freak. I like Palace. But let's let's also think. Yes, Jason knows this. The way Sims used to write is he did borrow a lot. He would. Uh, we'll give you an example. You, in your song, you had a song called you had a lyric. Uh, oh, tease and please. Da reason feeling for the feeling. He came and wrote feeling for my feeling or feeling for the feeling. That's the way he did it. So you know, I mean, hey, everybody has a way to write. But he did. He would go, I can feed on the powerless. And went, I want to write a song the powerless. And it does say, feed on the powerless. So all I'm saying is, and Jason knows this too, we really were trying to find, you know, right at that time, sing like Jason, because Jason's badass, or sing like this. And at first, you know, Dave was finding his own way, and I'm sure the guys helped him, you know, a little bit with trying to say sing like Jason. But there was a point where he did become his own little thing guy. For sure. That. But yeah. it took a little while, and it was a lot of, you know, we just, I don't know, I guess we wanted to be on that level. Every, everybody be. has to find their own way, yeah. Um, yeah. and you guys were all young. That's what we seems really not everybody, Not everybody can, you know, take out a yellow pad and write on it what they're going to wear the rest of their life on stage. You know, yeah. what they're going to sound like, the song. T I'm going to write a hundred song titles and these are the songs I'm going to write through throughout my career. Right. You don't preempt, you don't plan, you go with, a an emotional, uh, draw, you know, your, your influences are okay, but it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to, and I wouldn't even say that with the examples you gave would be plagiarism. I think that it's more flattery. And dancing, dancing a little close to those flames, you can yes. get, you can, you want to be burned by them enough to where maybe people will like it because of that. Maybe they'll dislike it because of that. I, it's interesting that you don't like the cover and the name and, and some of the songs and everything, because that's what it sounds like for a lot of people 
who are rushed yeah. to make a record or write songs. Our, right? last, our last demos that we did after we got dropped, like, I wish we could have had those on the record. Like, okay, the, I, I know. First, yeah. I know the, re- the, the batch of songs, the second record that was never released. I realized that. That would have been killer record. Is the record that should have been your first record. That's right. I realize that. So for those, for our listeners and talk louder audience watching and listening, there is a batch of pariah songs that you may or may not know is in existence. They're recorded and mixed and sitting somewhere, um, may or may not make sense to try to reissue them or maybe, you know, you could call it memory lane and, or what if, or whatever. And it would be a, a, something you could put up on a website somewhere, but the material fits where the climate of music was going in a business stance. I agree with that, but by the time we recorded the record, uh, or maybe by the time we got signed to the time we recorded the record, we were already such a different, like, like that wasn't a good representation of the first no. time. It just, we were already beyond that by the time we recorded that, by the time no. we released it, you know? Like, here's a good, are. here's a good example. Um, I I like Jackal. I'm a Jackal fan. When Mariah is on tour with Jackal and you guys come out, you were already had changed into what you guys were feeling and you were playing those new songs that weren't on the record that you were supporting. You guys had already changed into what, and and seemingly natural, maybe it would be by, by trends or the radio, you know, songs on the radio or just whatever you guys were into. You guys had already were a better fit as to what was happening out there. And then someone puts you on tour with fucking Jackal. Label mates. But yeah, but the thing is, but the thing, and that's great. But the thing is, if they're li- if people bought the record and then they went to see you guys open for Jackal, man, this is going to be fun. And then you guys look and sound like what would have been your second record. They're probably like, wow, this is a little upside down. And it, I'm not saying it hurt things because you guys should be comfortable with who you are right now or tomorrow or the next day and not try to put on a costume that fits what the record is trying to do right. you guys should keep going you had no development you had no developmental deal happening with your label it was not really a relationship at that point no and they're not uh, trying to develop your band into what you were becoming oh wow you guys and this new shit is killer blah 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 yeah. you know it didn't right no that, that's kind of that, that's kind of my point okay. in, in all of this it's like we where, where, time the record came out we right. just kind of already just grew right. so much it's not Jack, jackal's not doing anything wrong by having pariah on tour with them and pariah's not doing anything wrong by sounding and looking the way what who you are right now at the or at that point right and but people there's the confusion is is what the label did or didn't do and then uh, yeah. there you are and what you guys you know could could have been it wasn't seen early enough and and coddled and uh developed and talked about it wasn't talked about yeah uh, that, that, and- that's that's my point if there was a band that was more equipped to handle the shift in times pariah would certainly meet I that criteria so. and i don't understand why there's not a guy in a suit somewhere in an office going okay 
the alternative rock is now the new big thing. These guys, Pariah, who we've already signed and have on our roster, are moving in that direction anyway. Let's bring, let's put them out there and build some momentum on this. Sounds to me just like I said, I said, they don't, do that. they don't do stuff like dad used to no. do. He would sign four major or four deals and then he would actually get four records out from that deal. They don't, you know, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Happen days or back, even back then. We signed one. I mean, you got two, Jason, you got two out of Well, one. we signed a seven album deal. So did we. And we got to do, yeah, of course. That was normal. And they budget everything accordingly. They have it all set up. And then whatever happens, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter. So the contract that you sign is, if you go through with that, they just re- leaving room for negotiation if you sell a shit ton. It's, it's a lot that bank loan. That's what, yeah. that's what yeah. like, they're just bank loans. Okay, right. this company is going to give your band a loan. And you... Yeah. Well, before yeah. it all before it all went south, uh, talk about uh, were there any memorable tours or opening slots? Because uh, obviously there there had to be some fun in all this. Well, oh God, there was you know lots of fun. Um, but you know, Kyle, kind of when you were talking. By the way, I like I love your podcast. I, I've been watching the Kyle one and Chris Gage, and I like congrats on all this. Thank uh, you. I'm really proud to be here with you guys. Awesome. Um, we had we had a lot of great. Fun times, of course, you know, I mean, uh, like when he was talking about, you know, I remember I was we were there when um, the whole Madonna thing, hey, wow, you know, and hey, your sins here, can you have him come, you know, I remember all that. So it was all good. I mean, the shows were fun. It was all cool. I'm trying to think of anything, you know, in particular that had happened. We were just having so much fun. Yeah. Just blazing through it. Like right now, it's like I try to like, like what I'm doing here is, you know, cherish this and kind of like soak it in a little bit instead of just running through it, right? Yeah. So like, why we're just, you know, 20 years old, you're running through it, da, da, da. But yeah, there was a lot of fun times. I mean, I can't, you know, we did the whole thing. Jason, you know, did that too. We, we talked to Max Norman. We, we, uh, Mike Clint came and saw us at Aquafest. Um, you know, like we did that whole thing, that same thing with you, you know. So we had lots of fun. I mean, Bob Ezrin, we had dinner with Bob Ezrin. You know what he told us? I take your songs and I completely rearrange them. And we're like, oh, I don't know if we should do that. And then that later that night, I think Jared got appendicitis. He did. That's right. Yeah, he did. On the way home, he was like, guys, you need to got, you need to pull over, man. You need to take me to the hospital. Yeah, I remember. He stopped there with us and said, I like, he goes, I know who the singer is. I was so amazed. I was like, how do you know? I can just tell his talking voice and I've heard him sing on the songs that he's heard. Mm -hmm. That's that's the. I was like so impressed. I didn't realize like, wow, he can just tell who the singer is by hearing him talk. You know? Wow, yeah. And he said, "I take your songs and I do everything." But again, like we did the thing with um with the toys at the with the Motley Crue thing. That was fun. I mean, we've done it's gonna take a book, you know, to like specifically. But again, Madonna um, doing their video was cool. Um, we just had a blast the whole time. So it was all like fun. It, these little things that stand out, but it was all just, it seemed like it was all cool. And then when things started going south, that's when everything kind of was before that it was. Yeah. Yeah. And And for for people who are listening, who may not know um, our episode that we had with Kyle Ellison, the guitarist in Pariah, uh, he was telling us about the story where Madonna noticed you guys and had had you a couple of you guys or the whole band in one of her videos. The, the brothers. 
the Ellison brothers were, were in, uh, in one of her videos. So, yeah, I mean, you guys kind of had, even that was like, you know, <laughs> something pretty it was incredible. Adventure after adventure at the time. I mean, you know, you got to think we, we stayed at the, the Willie's world, which is across from the ARC on Congress, two fifty, all bills paid. If, you know, are you um, talking about those <laughs> crappy little apartments over there? Oh yeah, that's yeah. now demolished, and now there's huge apartments. Yeah, they're not yeah. they're not crappy little apartments anymore. Oh, yeah. two fifty, all bills paid. And well, uh, hey, old old South Austin will never be. Uh, I mean, the, South Austin today will never be like the old South Austin it was. Oh, sure, of course. Oh, but yeah. if you don't know that from there, you think it's still that's, like this. That's right. That's right. Talk. You moved right. to Austin now because you heard that it's cool in 2022 or whatever. It's like, it's, it's like cool. okay, that's great that you think that it paying, you know, $1,200 a month for an efficiency one-room apartment is <laughs> is good. Plus bills. And yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, but man, Pariah was a good time. We, we, it was a lot of it was timing issues. Um, it was really, you know, the two guys asked me in high school. You know, Sims and, and Sims was a, a senior, and me and Kyle were in ninth grade. And I was like, one year I went. We were actually all at the same schools since then graduated right. that year. But I remember, hey, you know, would you play drums? I go, I, I know how to play, but I don't have a drum kit. And it just went from. You know, friends having fun to actually, oh, shit, this is serious. And then, oh, our competition, now that we're signed as Def Leppard. It, I don't like how it moved from this fun thing into, oh, God, okay, it's business now. Now we got to worry about this and that. Well, we just did it back yeah. then. doing it. Now we had to worry about doing it. Now, I'm, I've always uh, said, and I, I still say this, you, you need to play music for the right reasons. And... It's not, it's because of how it makes you. Old. It's because and of how it makes you feel inside, not that's because right. how many you're gonna sell. Or that's me now. I'm all about the music. I, yeah. I, I just embrace it, and everything else is secondary. You know, if you pick up a girl or somebody gives you weed, or that's all secondary. It's always it's always been about the music. But when you're 20 years old and you rock your hair out and girls pay attention, you kind of like. You're always about the music, but you're kind of distracted by some other things. Yeah, distractions. <laughs> distractions is right. I mean, everybody really? has their everybody. You know, when you when a it's soldier so goes when a soldier goes to war, he doesn't wear his his bathrobe. Yeah, you know, he puts on a uniform. Well, that's yeah. what rock and roll is too, right? When you're going to work and you're going to be on the front lines, you you got you have your uniform on, but you need to like what it feels like when you put it on. You need to be able to, to be that, that, that person you are when you sing a song and write a song and play a song. That, you need to be able to do to be that person all the time on the inside. Because if you're not, if you're not right. like, you know, if Marilyn Manson wasn't the same as he was, uh, then you, and if you get famous like that, then you get stuck with an image that you don't like. No, you better like what you present to the world or have it be yourself, because if you get famous from a certain image or no image whatever it makes you famous you're stuck with or that's what people remember you right um, yeah that's so why I, that's why i really like you know you know the the alice coopers and the iggy pops and the d snyders and the david bowies and the, that's why that's why i like that because they're the same person all the time in every interview highly intelligent people these are the names i just dropped they give speeches. They are Fortune 500 speakers. They are keynote speakers. They write books. They, write, you know, these are the people that we, 
can only hope would be the ones to sell rock and roll to the masses because it's coming from the right place. They're yes. not doing it because of the money per se. Yeah. They're doing it because, I mean, Iggy Pop, he, he became Iggy Pop so he could be rich. Fuck no, man. He's a true he's rock and roll artist. He's a true poet and artist. He's never had mainstream success either. Like he's had, you know, China Girl. He's made money off certain things, but sure. he's never had like, you know, top 10 hit or something. And, you know, it's not about that. I know. Right. Alice Cooper, right. same thing. He's writing about dead babies and, you know, teenage <laughs> Frankensteins. And, you should do you know, what you he's, do. He's a horror show. He's Halloween. He's big at Halloween. Well, guess what? Every day is Halloween for him. It's not really like a marketing strategy for him. He built this persona. You were saying Marilyn Manson. That would suck to be Marilyn Manson all the time. He's having to wear that stuff all the time. But, just, but, yeah. but Alice Cooper is Alice Cooper all the time. Because he can take it off. You know, well, like, he, he takes it off and he calls it like he puts it in the closet. But even when you hear him talk and he talks about Alice like it's third person, yeah. it's the same because they're it's it's coming from the same brain. And he's and a life it's to highly intelligent. Oh my God! Great advice. Great father figure can yes. can debunk any argument about war, politics, oh, yeah, yeah. movies, of course. He can debunk you, anybody, and still make you feel uh, welcome to the party, even if you're not on the same team. I just feel that it's a calling, you know? Like, I don't feel like, okay, well, I've already had this or this thing, and now I'm going to go, you know, learn another craft. It's like, all I really know is, like, music, and um, I, I couldn't ever see myself just, like, when people you know that have dabbled in music, and then now they work, you know? Right. I just could never imagine that. Like, oh, yeah, see me when I was a rock star. Like, I still live it. I want to live because I like all of it. I like the recording. I like the live music uh, to play live. I like to meet people. Like, I'm not burned out yet. I'm not jaded. I still have that thing in me like a kid when I saw Ace Freely picture. You know, like, I still have that. And I want to always keep that because that's what keeps me going. And, and yeah, that's beautiful. That's Im that's important. I think that I think that we all I think that we all have that, and I think that um, you know all of us have to do uh, whatever it is, whatever it is we have to do to feed our families and and pay for the things that we need to be comfortable in life as we get older. Those be those things become important to us uh, when when we start to age a little bit. It's like prepare for the future a little bit. I think that. Um, you know, still being able to support yourself by being a music artist in any capacity right. is amazing, is amazing. And so if you can still do that, whether it be by, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I don't, I mean this uh, coming from the heart. Your dad is the reason, right? You are from They're an artist, you are from an artist family. So you were kind of, I'll say it, you're, you were kind of fucked. There's not really anything else you're supposed born to be doing. In my, yeah, you're born born into it. Yeah. And that's that's exactly where you're supposed to be in my eyes. Thank God that you uh, have that and that your brother has, you know, that you guys have those gifts that I mean, your dad, that your dad had naturally. And it's just, it kind of is in the blood. You know, a lot of it too, and we're going to go back to timing because, you know, after probably like, so with, with me 
puppets and Gibby, you know, we signed a, a deal too. I've been on three different major labels. It just all didn't sell. Yeah. But yeah. I had good shots. I, I got three shots at least. Atlantic, Geffen, and Warner Brothers, which was Gibby's thing. Because when we signed it, they specifically said, if this record does good, you automatically are going on to, because it was a smaller label. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was, it was uh, distributed by Warner. So they specifically said, hey, if this, and this was 2004, but they said, if this right. does good, we're going to automatically just go to, to be on Warner's. It's going right. to, but it didn't do anything. Right. So all this right. stuff, it's just maybe been bad timing. But here, here's what I want to say. Regardless of the timing, regardless of any of that, what is the most important out of everything we just talked about? The music you leave behind. If yeah. it's good, that's, and I feel it is. You know, the, the, you listen to Gibby's record, you listen to the Three Meat Puppets records, Rat Farm, Lollipop, Golden Lies, you know, the stuff I put out. I just want to make sure whether it sells or not, whether it goes tinfoil or multi-platinum, whatever, that the music is good because that's the only thing that's going to last in the very end. If, if it doesn't sell, but somebody gets on the internet or Spotify and hears that and they just love it, that's really the bottom line, right? Regardless of any selling. Of course. Yeah, that's what we're left with. Of course, so make, right? Make yeah, I, I've you know I've always been envious of of guys like you and Jason. Of course, anybody that's you know was able to record an album that will live, that will outlive all of us, regardless of sales. To me, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's to me, album. the fact that you're able to leave that piece of you behind and for people gone. to discover for forever people, and ever is just killing. But you're right. People can listen to Giddy Haynes and his problem or lollipop and golden lies and hopefully they remember even a hundred years from now they're like hey man oh, that's good you know that's it's what you leave behind regardless if we all want to sell we all yeah. want to be successful and I, I that's great but it's the product that you leave it doesn't matter if it's a painting if you're an artist it's the product that you leave behind if it's shitty it's shitty but i think i've when i look at my little discography or everything there's some great stuff in there and i just hope that I mean, this now, somebody might discover lollipop meat puppets. Go out, a drummer's really cool, or pariah, or whatever. You know, it's the right. that's the most important, regardless of sales. Is when you're, you're exactly right. When you were uh, when you were in the meat puppets and in in Gibby Haynes's band, Gibby, of course, for those who are listening who may not know, the singer for the Butthole Surfers. Um, you guys were out touring Meat Puppets and Gibby. You were out on tours with the, the heaviest hitters of the day, right? I mean, weren't you out with like Stone Temple Pilots and stuff okay. like that? Yeah. So when I, because uh, I've been in the Meat Puppets twice, let me just back up just a little bit. Um, after Pariah, you know, Kirk, Kirkwood and the Meat Puppets and Kyle, they started writing songs. Kirk, Kirkwood's brother was kind of out of commission with drugs. So they started writing songs. So I have to thank Kyle to this day. Because he's the one who said, oh, I knew a good rock drummer, Shandon. And through that association, I've been with the Meat Puppets almost 11 years. I'm not with them right now, but in the incarnation of the last 20 years, I've been, I've did 11 years of my life with them. And I have to thank Kyle because Kyle, he could have suggested J.J. Johnson. He could have suggested Kyle Snyder. He didn't. He suggested, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Through that association, I've had 11 great years in a, in a classic, alternative, classic grunge band. Now, we opened up for Foo Fighters. I've met Kurnova Selleck and Girl numerous times. When we played, we opened up for Soundgarden, and that was phenomenal. They literally came running out right before we 
in the backstage area in the back when they were about to head out, and they were like, you know, uh, not Cornell, but the bass player. What's that guy's name? Ben Shepard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Came out, oh, man, the meat, you're on our show. Oh, you're on our three. He was just like a kid in the case. So he loved the meat puppets. And then, and then Kirk goes, hey, man, this is our new drummer. Oh, man, nice to meet you. Then Matt Cameron saw us, and then, the, and then the two, we had three shows. After the first one, him and his kid were on the side of the stage watching us play. He's like, oh, I'm going to get my kid. We're going to go because it was great. Wow. So the only place I've ever played in Vancouver, only one place I only played at one time. What was it? The Vancouver Arena. <laughs> wow. Poor man. I never played a club there at all. The only, club I've ever, the only place I've ever played is the Vancouver Arena. That's the only one time. Mastodon, it was Meat Puppets, Mastodon, Queens of the Stone Age, and Soundgarden. Wow, that's a great wow. gig, man. Yeah. It was bad to the bone. That's so, awesome. I, I, you know, again, I'm just, I'm really appreciative now. I want to do good and just absorb it and not just run fastly through it and have it be gone and look back. Like, I want to try to, you know, you pick the flower yeah. instead of just, you know, whatever, take it, you know, on, you, you know, you take a little more time to enjoy what's around you. It's nice to see you uh, just in general, Shannon. You look great. You sound yeah. great. Uh, you've. You've His hair of, looks fantastic. You've cut out. Yeah, yeah, your hair looks great. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you that sometimes. My wife cuts you know, his hair for those who are listening. Yeah, Dude. yeah we, we got that. <laughs> Handing out cards to the salon. Kim, see Kim. Yeah, it's, it's important to bring this up just to you from a friend to a friend because we've known each other forever. I mean, I feel like I've known you since you were a child. And it's kind of like... Um, you know, you're you're born into this. Uh, your dad is a legend, but it seems to me that, you know, you you never really leaned in on that to try to cash in ever. Um, when your dad passed, it was more like uh, your your his legion. You were already part of it because your blood. So there wasn't any a big uh, money grab or anything like that. So keeping all of that in mind that you're born into it right out of high school. You're still a punk ass kid. You you're a kiss fan. You're a rock and roll freak. You had your, you, you had your brother's influence. You join your high school, your, your buddies in school to, and we're in a band called Pariah, which led you, right. Which led you into basically threw you into all of these other opportunities. That's exactly right. The meat puppets, the Gibby Haynes stuff, the, you know, all kind of coming from San Antonio, really, because the, the buttholes and Gibby and, and uh, probably the connection that the buttholes even may have had with the meat puppets a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But then the Austin thing is very sort of close knit and family. Everybody knows it's very incestuous. I'm just I'm just you could draw a straight line and there are some bumps in it here some bummer moments but there's some really good spikes in it for you i I feel i feel like i feel like as long as it's not going like diving and it's never it's never taken a dive in my opinion of where you are as shandon psalm i feel like it's been an ea it's better to just like be able to ride this straight road you're in and, and and grow old gracefully doing exactly what you were fucking here to 
put on the earth to do. I didn't know that at first. I didn't know that at first. Yeah, you're blind. You're, dude, you're blinded by other things when you're a child. You don't know. But then eventually you're like, oh, shit, I'm not going to do that again. It kind of lands in and like, okay, you know, do you want to keep doing this? Are you a musician? This is right. What? You, yeah. You, the questions of life, like what is the meaning of life? Why am, what yeah. am I supposed to be doing right now with myself? I have all this crazy energy. Where do I, which button do I press next? Right. That's right. That's right. So you were, you were given these, I feel like it's not even, you were given these opportunities because you were kind of like, you were just given these these choices of places to go, and of yeah. course you said yes because you're a musician. That's right. It's true. I think, uh, I uh, start off, you know, that's the yeah. thing. I really was like, well, what do I want to do? And, you know, maybe I want to be a doctor or whatever. And then you get this, and it's just kind of, so music shows me. Yeah. yeah. I was going like this. What should I do with my life? It happened, and then after Pariah, it really was a test of, okay, we got to get, we got to do, more than what most local, but you got to get signed. You got to do that. Are you yeah. so you play rock star? Are you cool with that? Are you done now? Sure. Or but you're it, never done. I mean, after you I take know, off the take off the costume, or someone the the rental company calls and goes, hey, you bring the rock star cast <laughs> costume back to the back to the costume rental place that you rented. You owe money on it. Da da da. It's like yeah. I didn't want that anyway. I'm I want to play yeah. music, dude. Yeah. You have a, you remind me more of your dad. The more we get into this conversation. You are free spirited, and your dad was such a like free spirit. He was just good to go. What I'm ready. Give me my hat. Ready That's to go. Right. That's yeah. right. I think a lot of people, um, you know, and I'm guilty of this, and I'm from San Antonio. A lot of people don't know Pariahs formed in San Antonio. I think a lot of people associate you with the Austin music scene. Uh, because you did relocate, but uh, but you formed in, in San Antonio, right? Austin Clark High School alumni sends Kyle and me. The pariah started in Clark High School. So how much of the success of Dangerous Toys was an influence on you guys moving to Austin? Any? Uh, not the success, not, not any of that. That's all influential. Um, the reason why we moved, I mean, Kyle probably mentioned this, there wasn't really many places to play. San Antonio was very, like, a uh, couple of things going on, whereas we had management. We had Wayne Nagel and Kevin Walmack managers, and we had, you know, funner and more shows, kind of, so we moved to Austin because of that. That's really But the toys thing kind of came after we see them, you know, they get signed, and we're like, wow, and, you know, so that's a whole different thing. But to get up there is because we had management and better shows. And we just, Austin was kind of like moving to L.A. of Texas, right? Yeah, there was there was more yeah. there was more business, I think, and uh, South by Southwest happening there, and so it was. Uh, yeah, that's why we moved there because exposure. SA doesn't stand for San Antonio; it stands for South of Austin. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that that sticker? There's a bumper sticker that says "Keep San Antonio Boring." I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh shit! No, I've never seen that. <laughs> never seen. To me, San Antonio is not boring. Man, you can spend the day there and have the best fucking time. Dad, Dad said, San Antonio is real because it's funky and it's real. At least right. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I, wish, I wish I, hey, I wish I owned a house down on like Blanco or down right there by downtown San Antonio because, oh my God, the food and the culture alone, just to be, yeah. just to be, 
a a only half pissed off old man and be living in South Austin. Man, yeah. I could get the best Mexican food. I could I could see a show at the Aztec Theater or the Majestic yeah. and, and walk. Yeah. I could walk. That's right. That's right. And San Antonio is just it's just real and it's yeah. fun and yeah. it's yeah. real. Yeah, there's selfishness to it, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you've never that you've never sort of like shunned San Antonio. I'm glad that you've oh, always no, sort of worn it on. There's nothing to really shun. I mean, right. The reason why I moved to to Amsterdam is I was just like I was telling you, I was tired of you know 35 traffic and strip malls, and I just wanted to be surrounded by art and music. So oh, everywhere yeah. I go in Amsterdam, there's a statue, right? And you're like, who's that? Oh, it's Mercury, and it's just it does something. It's food for my soul, man, because. I just needed a change. Like I haven't been in a car in fucking almost a year. Since right. I got here, I got in a car. I take yeah. my bike, I ride the train. I'm on my yeah. bike every day going and doing my errands. Everybody yeah. does that. And yeah. so, yeah, I can get oh, lots of exercise. I eat really well. I haven't drank alcohol in 25 years. I don't get coffee. I've been vegetarian 25 years. Wow. Right right. My dad died. I looked at him and I said, what, is he, what did he eat? What did he do? It was very stressful. Uh, he wasn't very patient. So I try to practice patience. Yes. Because I don't want to end up like, like that because we have that same constitution. Yeah. I, I see that. I see that. Uh, I mean, I didn't know your pops, you know, well, but the times that I got to spend with him, I, I didn't really put it together really until right now that you have the same sort of disposition or constitution or fast. Uh, con const constipation maybe that, <laughs> that you guys you know i feel like there, there's you guys are blood it's the same sort of thing so well learn learning from your learning from your blood and your your elder blood i think is good and yeah. and you know you i like it that you mentioned earlier that you know, you were actually, you know, side of the stage watching your brother who is four years older and you were like, whoa, you know, so it's just kind of all of this sort of is this trickle down economic that you have going and on. The toys, you're, you're learning from your brother and your father oh, and your family. And yeah, yeah. Picking it up, it up. And so like with the toys, instead of being on the side of the stage, you're like just in the audience doing the same thing. But, you know, you're not my brother, so we didn't have all the access, but we would be at this. But watching it, doing the same, feeling the same way as we would watching presence on the side of the stage, just like wow, this is cool. Well, you you guys, yeah, you know, Pariah. Awesome. I'm I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here, but you guys, Pariah, are not the first band to take our idea of hanging a steer skull on the drum kit. Yeah. Oh, I know that. I know that. There, there's <laughs> plenty of other bands that have started doing that. I think it was a trend that I will say the toys started though. Yeah, sure. I mean, dude, you got to understand that's you make it your own after a while. You pick up your influences. You might sometimes you might blend That's right. once, but if That's you put right. your, your stuff in the blender long enough, and you put a little Devo and Kiss and Black Sabbath and Dangerous Toys and Pariah, whatever, and you put it and you pour that smoothie, it should be your own special concoction. You know? Well, every everything's been done. I mean, well, that's what I mean. I mean you make yeah, it, you everything's make it been done. Your, well, but what you do could be unique. You know what I'm saying? So you well, have to present it in a in a way. Do you th don't you think that don't you think that when someone actually 
you know, really understands your music and you, you can kind of see them turn a different color when they listen to your song or your music or see your show or whatever. And the biggest compliment I've ever gotten is when someone comes to me, it's like, you know, man, it doesn't matter what anyone else told me about your song or your record or your band or your video or anything until I met you. And I can say this to your face. You're the real deal. That's the biggest compliment anyone's ever given me is when they can finally come to the realization that you are the real deal in quotes, I'm quoting to the camera. I think that that is it. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what the record review or the people with a pen or the journalist says, sorry, Dave, it's when they finally come like, whoa, and the whole thing changes and they're like, you're the real fucking deal. And I didn't realize it till right now. You've always to me, we've always proved it to you because you know what? You practice what you preach, brother. You, you don't just talk, you don't go, oh, yeah, da, da. you're like out there doing it. And to me, I'm all about action, uh, action speak out of the way. So I appreciate just, that, but I'm, general, I'm generalizing. Like, yeah. I feel like you're the real deal. I mean, what, oh. you put, what you put into it is what someone else is going to get out of it. I try to be as genuine as possible. And what is me is me. Like, I like having my hair long, right? Whatever. Like, I, I, I try to be as genuine as possible. Yeah. Well, so, it doesn't It doesn't matter how long your hair is. Well, but you know, People I mean, whatever understand. the clothes I want to wear tomorrow, if I don't want to wear this, you know, um, you see what I mean? I can cut that. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I try to be myself. I'm not like back in the day when everybody had hair. I'm sure there's lots of people that had it because it was getting them laid. And it was getting you signed. Oh, well, it's the trend. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you, you follow, you follow the tr you follow the trend. But you know, after a while, well, it has to be has to be a comfortable thing. Like if if someone uh, goes bald, I mean, you can't help that. They yeah, wear hats. Don't wear wigs and shit. They wear they wear hats. Well, a lot of people wear wigs, but they also get hair plugs, and it turns into a different. But you know what it is? That do doesn't matter. It's like they need to be comfortable. They need to be comfortable about what they're, they're, is they're trying to represent and be inside their own soul. You know, I would hate it that someone would wear a hat or a wig because it was because I want to be twenty again. And, and that those things would make them uncomfortable. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how what you look like. It doesn't matter what you look like. I don't well, care, especially not. now more than ever, it doesn't matter what, I mean. what you look like. But back in the day, you know, when you saw, like, a dude with, you know, the guy in Thunder with his shaved head back when everyone had hair, you were like, that's unusual. Or, or one guy in the band had short hair, it really was like, why does he grow his hair out? You know, you're like, fuck, it's rock and roll. But well, because you didn't, you don't know, you're, you're not so, you're not such the wiser man when you're saying those things. How come yeah. the day have a dude with short hair? Well, you know, there might yeah. be another reason. Maybe they're a master at their instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah. when you see but Guns N' Roses or Poison, you know, they all didn't have, they all, well, it's like the Beatles. Everyone has, and that's what it came from. We want to look like we're in a band. And well, it's how, uniform. It's the yeah. uniform. Well, I, was, I, I said, it I said it earlier. I said it earlier. You got to have your uniform, and that's you what I mean. You, ha you have to be comfortable in your skin. When Dangerous Toys walks in and walks through an airport, they go, hey, that's a band. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there is a, there is a look and a, in a uniformity or whatever, and it used to be much more important, is what I think we're all saying here. I wanted to talk real quick because we can't talk to Shandon and uh, we can't talk about Pariah, um, 
without bringing up Sims uh, real quick, I just want for people that are listening that may not know the history of Pariah, sadly enough, uh, Sims Ellison, the band's bass player, took his own life in 95. And, and that basically, for all intents and purposes, ended the band. But out of all that darkness uh, came the Sims Foundation, which is still in existence to this day. And anyone that's interested can look this up online. The Sims Foundation, uh, named after Sims, of course, uh, has done a tremendous service to the Austin music community and possibly even outside of Austin. I'm not real clear, but they basically help uh, musicians with health care and mental wellness and all that sort of thing. Um, it's a it's a it's a community that often gets overlooked. It's a community that often can't afford that kind of care. And uh, so I just wanted to give a shout out to Sims Ellison and the Sims Foundation. If anyone's listening to this that knows anyone that's experiencing any of those sorts of issues, Google Sims Foundation and uh, take a look at what they have to offer. Because uh, Dave, it has helped a lot of people. We know, you know Jason, so Dave, you too, you know, people that have went there, I guess maybe Chris Gates, I don't know, maybe Ben Burton might have, I don't know, but there's some people that have gone and I don't, I don't know how successful it is, but they have the avenue to go in and have somebody. Yeah. No, there's a high success rate. We've um, seen it in action and yes, yeah, the, yes. The, um, the, the, to be clear and not to, to drag it out any longer, I feel like uh, music fans surely don't, shrug or just let it be swept under the rug that a lot of artistic people uh, a lot of art creators a lot of songwriters a lot of performers uh industry um struggle um it could be anything uh, uh mental capacitate you know struggles the uh out drug abuse uh sometimes those go hand in hand um they may put on a facade because they have to perform they have to do more drugs to go face. to be yeah they put a game face on and this is terrible because it's not they're not really living uh, the, the their their music the way that they because they're obviously they're hurt and they're uncomfortable and the Sims Foundation has a high success rate in helping people who are artists who struggle with inner demons whatever it is um, there are places for people for for musicians and creative people to get help uh, who may and and it's probably even I I it's easy to say it's run by music industry people. Uh, the management, the whole the whole thing is put on, probably by people who are music fans, who are songwriters themselves, and um, well, so out of a major tragedy comes some sure. tragedy, right? Yeah. Yeah. right. Turn the think, tragedy into helping other people, and that is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out that, you know, Sims passed away in 95 and, and the Sims Foundation came along shortly thereafter. So the Sims Foundation is pushing almost 30 years of helping people. This is not a fly-by-night operation. Um, and so 30 years, pushing 30 years of helping people and, uh, you know, all in the names of Sims. So. I was to tell Jason, because, you know, you, you were, he was your roommate, you know, y'all lived together. And the last couple of years, you know, it was really kind of touch and go because he would always tell me, you know, because he was always the kind of guy that liked to keep up with the Jones. But he, one thing that really bothered him was just 
Pariah was too metal. He wanted to change the name of the band. And after a bazillion times of saying, we need to change the name, I told him, I go, dude, Sims, I, I, at first I said, well, we're Pariah, and we've made our name that way, so don't change it. But then I, he was kept talking so much about it. I was like, man, if that would make you happy, and it makes us like grow as a band and, and go to the next chapter, let's do it then. I'm cool with it. Like, but at first I was like, oh, we're fun. You know, so I started to kind of, because I just wanted him to be happy, but he, he wasn't really happy in his own skin for some reason. You know, there was something itching at him. So all I wanted to say is I'm very lucky in the sense that, like Iggy Pop, right, I have a lust for life. I've never, you know, I'm lucky that I've never been on any antidepressants or any of that just because yeah, I'm, what's around the corner is always intriguing to me, you know? Mm. Oh, wow, this person you might argue I just have this ah about life, and I just not that I don't have bad days. I just I feel like we're living out our destiny, and we're trying to do as good, and we we treat people good, and you just do that. And I'm just glad I never got to that point, maybe where I was fixated on something, or really heard about something to where it destroyed my life. Because see, that yeah, past before it, I was yeah. No, you're you're making a good point. I feel like a lot of people in. Uh, people, yeah, I feel like people in Sims's life didn't really know that he was struggling in those ways. Like you said, I was his roommate. For the last, I was his roommate for the last year before he. And he passed. was uncomfortable. He would go, Jason. You know, he'd be a little bit like jumpy, or but that was kind of. I thought that was just his personality. Well, I think that that could have been medication. The thing is, I never knew that he was even on medication is the point that I was making. If all of us have friends, we may not know what their internal demons That's are right. at work. They, yeah. We may not realize that they're struggling with something and they're trying to do the best they can, just even being there where they are, showing up on time, blah, 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 blah. being able to have a job, being able to show up to rehearsal. It may be this whole thing they have to work themselves into you know yeah. to, to to just to walk through the door and you don't know that about people and that's what i how i feel like what the well, sims foundation is all about it didn't, it didn't help things by pariah putting all our eggs in one basket we just went Ugh, you know and by doing that it really we didn't almost have nothing to really kind of fall back on once that collapsed you know and then i remember sims having like oh you know, I got to get a job, and you know, he just, he but was everyone, just, he was everyone like, things has, were unraveling. I know, but to him, he doesn't right. really didn't need Right, that. right, right. He, I see but, what you mean. Yeah, he, he it started was, falling apart. Like, counting, instead of being better, count, it was counting on this one thing to happen. And then when it didn't, he was like, Yeah, see, I, I don't like to, I don't like to think that that's what destroyed. What destroys, I'll, I'll generalize here, what things. destroys, what destroys people's. Many things. He was also seeing a lady that was horrible at the time. He met this really cute lady, but horrible inside. And I can honestly say that with that time. And she messed with him too. So it was the band going downward, not being as popular as it was passe already. Now this is big. Now we need to change our name. You see all the struggles. He was dating yeah, a little bit. wasn't wasn't uh, supportive, and, and and you know all that at the same time. But I didn't realize like. I just thought maybe he needed like some attention. Or I, I didn't really realize that it was a chemical thing. I thought it was more like he needs to keep busy because that's the way he is. You know, we would go to the Metal Edge office where I would be sitting there talking to you know Jerry or whatever, and he would be, okay, we're ready to go. We go, Sims, we just got here. We just got here. He'd be like, so are we going to go? You know, like, he was always wanting to leave. 
You know, like when first you get there, he's already wanting to do something else, and so. Yeah, that that's God that's, bless. That might awesome. be that might be a that could have been a flag, you know. I know, but well, yeah, yeah. I'm a therapist, but God bless, you know. Yeah. I want to just take the time really quick to thank Wayne Nader and Grant from the Farm Boys and like Mike Michael D Michael Devork and all those guys have been really cool. Like since I moved here, they're like, "Hey, do you need anything? You know, I need some help." It's just they're all yeah. I I love watching. I love the guys that you just named. Awesome. Those are all fantastic people. And uh, behind the scenes, if you will, you know. The ones that help me, like Grant, yeah. helped me fix my house up so I could go to. Wow. What yeah. I'm doing. You know, Grant yeah. came over every day for three months. Wow. I, wanna... I did all the pulling of the carpet. <laughs> I want to. I want to end on a high note. Uh, I didn't wear this shirt for nothing. So for, for who, for people that are listening and not watching, I'm wearing a sick t-shirt and sick was a kiss tribute band that Jason and Shandon were both part of also with our producer, Jared Tootin. Um, so obviously you guys were a kiss tribute band, but you didn't do the makeup and that sort of thing. It was just jeans and t-shirt vintage kiss tunes. Uh, you guys are obviously and a good time. And a yeah, good and a good time. And you if guys we, are obviously we weren't having a good time. It was time to pack it in, and that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> right. Well, you guys are obviously huge kiss freaks. So I wanted to ask Shandon. Um, my life. Kiss ruined my life in a good way. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, yeah. what is your favorite piece of uh kiss memorabilia that you own? Because well, I know you've got some above average stuff, I think. Yes, I, I do, but um I sold it all. <laughs> I sold it all. I kept a kiss doll. I kept a couple of things that were close to me, but I got rid of it all. Man, I purged so much. I feel so good. But let me tell you, let me, let's end on this one. So, you know, the Steelers commercial where the guy, uh, Joe Green gives a little kid, the co, you know, the coat in the, the jersey, right? Yeah. That's what happened to me with Ace at the Dynasty show. So let me, let, let me just tell a quick story. Okay. Through, through um, how we got to meet Kiss was dad did a, sh a thing. Um, he knew Neil Bogart. He, Neil Bogart knew, they knew each other really well. Dad did a, a single called, um, you can go on YouTube, Roll With The Punches and I'm Not That Cat Anymore. It was on 45 of the blue Casablanca label saying Sir Douglas Quintet. Is that not cool. badass? That's wow. cool. Just in itself. Casablanca, produced by Neil Bogart, Sir Douglas Quintet. Wow, Fuck yeah. Cool. Okay, it's rare. I've got one left. So we already knew who they were. Or they knew each other. My mom has a secretary voice. She said, you know how it is back then. Somehow called and went, oh, yes, Doug saw and his kids. We'd love to come see the Kiss concert tonight. Somehow, she got a hold of Gene's bodyguard. Gene's bodyguard said, totally, come on down. Be at this place at 7 o'clock. Dude, this is so freaky, so I'm going to try and make it as quick as possible. We get down there. How old are you in 79? Eight, nine. Okay. Wow. Nine, yeah. Nine. yeah. And uh, Sean was four years older, so he remembers this more. But, um, okay, we get there. Guy lets us in. All of a sudden, about five minutes later, the, the garage door opens up, and a big limo comes in. It's Gene and Paul. They, they walk Without makeup, first of all, this is 79, so I got to meet Kiss with makeup and without makeup. So that's why I ruined my life. So they come out, they see Dad, and they're like, hey, Doug, blah, blah, blah. Dude, this is not, this is not a joke. 
They so Gene and Paul them. walk up to your dad. Hey, Doug, what's up? Whoa, uh, that right there. You could stop right there. That's the best. Yes, maybe not exactly like that, but they okay, knew who each other were. It was like a greeting. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Doug. Doug yeah. Oh, no, it was because Gene said they used to play She's About a Mover in his cover band. That's the part of this story I remember. Wow. Okay. Hmm. So, they, okay, let me tell you the awesome part. We go into the, to the, to the guitar room, right? Gene wants to show dad how balanced his guitar is. So he takes the axe bass. Imagine this, Doug Song with an axe bass. <laughs> and he goes, Cowboy he goes, hat, axe bass. He goes, he goes, Doug, put your hands up in the air. And dad put his hands up in the air and it stayed. And he goes, see how it's perfectly balanced. He's like, wow, man, what a trip. Okay. Then what happens? We're talking. Boom. Garage door opens again. It's freaking Peter and Ace. In the limo without makeup. Uh, now we knew. Now knowing now that Peter has already gotten fired and he was just finishing out the tour, right? But we didn't know that back then. He was the one that wasn't nice. I went up to him because I knew all the facts of Kiss. So I went up to him and I go, "Dude, you love Rod Stewart?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Like signing my thing and just get away, because you know he's on coke, right? So he wanted to probably just go score more coke. But did that. I didn't get to see Ace without the makeup, but then check this out. We're hanging out. Paul gives me and Sean a fucking Pepsi. It's like the commercial, man. I'm not fucking kidding. Okay, here comes the, the Mean Joe Green part. He goes, here's a Pepsi. We're going to go in. we got to dress up, hang out, and we'll see you when, when we get back out. Right? Okay, so an hour later, come out. All right, they come out. like, And I'm just like, whoa, like. Ace, the guy, because he was my man, dude. And I'm just like, I just, it was like seeing, you know, like in Wizard of Oz, the real deal or something, you know, just like, holy shit. I walked up to him and I said, I love your outfit. What are those? Because when he was drunk, by the way, of course, and eating peanuts, popping peanuts is not that he was swaying as easy as they sang. Well, these are rhinestones. And he's a broken glass. Okay, here's the awesome part. Talking to him. Lights go out. <sighs> it's time to go. He turns. And just like me and Joe Green, I go, I'm not going anywhere. I'm with Ace. The roadies let me walk with Ace all the way. to. So we're in the little hallway. Lights go out. And I'm doing this. As he's walking. So it's the me and Joe Green thing. Little kid and Ace walking. And I'm just looking up. Man, they need to remake that Pepsi commercial. <laughs> so quick. I'm almost done now. So, uh, and then the roadie, she very gently just, come on, you got to go. And then he went to the side and said, okay. So he goes on stage. They get, we're on the side of the stage. Ace is fucked up. He throws uh, a, a thing of, of, of a cup of, we thought was water, but it, it, he threw it. And it hit a cop right in front of us. Oh. And we could smell the vodka. As soon as it broke on him, we could just smell the vodka. And it had a lip ring, a black lip ring. And I tried to grab it, and somebody fucking grabbed it right before me, okay? Then Ace took off. Oh, you mean the black head. lipstick? It had yeah. the black lipstick on it. Cup with black lipstick. I could have grabbed it. Somebody grabbed it. He took off his things and threw them to the side of the stage, but he threw one in the audience and Sean caught the fucking dynasty thing right here. Oh, uh, 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 Brody came back and says, it's very expensive. He had to get it back. 
Uh. <laughs> okay. So to very to, to so to end this all, I had a great time. Um, dad, being a dad, we're leaving, and he goes, "Son, because this is how cool, right? Like I was raised right." Son, you see that roadie over there? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you think that guy? He's the reason you got to meet your favorite band. And I go, thank you. And then what happened? Two day, three days later, I get a fucking letter from Gene Simmons saying it was great meeting you and I enjoyed it. Shandon Psalm, Spring Forest, Babcock Road. Shandon Psalm, Spring Forest, Gene Simmons. It blew. So didn't you, you didn't you wow. uh, send that to us didn't yes. you email that I think, I think i sent you a picture of it uh, yeah i need to make sure that i have that so, wow. we, can, so we can put that in our intro so people oh, can so, see that oh, okay yeah i didn't know like i know we're taping this but i mean do you go back and yeah we we oh. edit in we edit in post so okay. jared will yeah. make sure that's in there if you make sure oh. if you can make sure that we have that we can make sure it gets in your interview okay that was that was great that so yeah that's incredible man that what a story you, so you know now why I'm such a fake rookie fan. Like it, it just like walking, and he gets six feet. You know, it's just like all the way to the stage. They let me walk from the little hallway all the way to the end of the stage, and then politely a little roadie guy just whisked me away while he went the other way. It was unreal. Wow, that's awesome. And I, you know, swaying, popping peanuts. Yeah, well, these are rhinestones and. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, hysterical that's so a great story without makeup and with makeup dynasty october 1979 hemisphere arena wow that's a great story i'd be with dad and we'd be walking around in austin all of a sudden oh hey doug someone would recognize him come on in who's playing acdc who's that <laughs> right okay. wow Little kid, Bon Scott. That's, that's amazing. Auditorium. Yeah. We got in free to all the big, big shows. And then just to, to, to just say one quick thing, I was raised in clubs. Dad would be playing Soap Creek or Armadillo. I would be laying on the couch till three in the morning. He would do three sets. Son, it's time to go home. Or I would ask everybody in the club, got a quarter, got a quarter so I could play pinball all day just to keep myself busy. Sure. Yeah, but I grew up. I mean, uh, I'm uh, um, Armadillo World Headquarters, Soap Creek, Rome Inn. That was my daycare. Yeah, you were on the on the dirty couch in the dressing room. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Taking a nap that's until why, Dad was done going down. That's why you That's why you are the way you are because you slept on those. I don't know what this stain is on this couch next to my head as I take a nap. My dad was also doing a lot of acid when I was conceived, so I could. Well, you know, we weren't <laughs> there. So yeah, we, were, that we were a hippie family. We were, you know, again, dad was here first. He was not like with the music, but the scene and then really came in. So sure. people, that is the history, you know, and I, people, I, I always want to turn people on to the history of Texas. And yeah. if they really know, they understand that, yeah, dad was there before. Well, you're, you're, you're. Part obviously part of your dad's legacy. Your dad is, is it's like he's still here. You know, it really, really is. Like well, he's like a anything? he's like a Ronnie James Dio is to like hard rock and heavy metal. Your your father Doug is like a uh, you know because it's like Dio is just over there. You know, know. just kind of like hanging out over there. You know, and yeah, like your Doug is just over, Doug's just over there, and it really is like he's still with us and. Uh, I'm really glad that 
that you and and Sean are are uh, you know still kind of you know periodically uh, out to keep his music alive via oh. your blood and uh, in your in your own performances. Hey man, thank you so much thank uh, you. as a friend and as a fan. Yeah. There's so much you could, you know, I mean, there's so much more to talk about, but, you know, love the toys, always have, great first record. You know, Dave, got an awesome wife, awesome kid. I mean, you know, that's the thing is to kind of just look back at, at, at our lives and just know that, you know, we're blessed and we have good things, even though bad things will happen to us here and there. We've got it good. Yeah. We've all got it good. Yeah, we, we do, we do. If you if you work hard at what it is you do and stay yourself and stay true to yourself your entire life, you you're always going to have it good. And what is the saying you just said? If also if you love what you do as your work, doesn't matter if you love dentistry. But if right. You that's right. You do, then you never really work a day to that. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. exactly right. On that, that note, take, take us out, Dave. Shannon, thanks so much for joining us today, man. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glessner with our special guest today, Shandon Psalm on the Talk Louder podcast. Thanks for joining us, man. Talk Louder!